Testing. Testing, bitch. Say something nice. I don't like nice things. Uh, I'm a bitch. Even bitches can say nice things to other bitches. I'm not. And these are our listeners, so... <laughs> a bird in the hand is a another bird in the bush, or whatever the fuck those saying is. I don't actually know what that exact saying is. I know what you're trying to say. <laughs> Clearly, I don't eat. But I don't... I cannot even try to correct you. A bird you. in the hand is as good as two more in a bush. Welcome to Basic Snitches. Hi. <laughs> I am the bird, and this is the bush. Say hi, bush. That makes it sound like you're a terrible president. Welcome. Welcome. How are you? I'm good. One, we had wine for this first one. We have wine for the first one, which I think is maybe a good thing, although it's probably like the catalyst that will have us recording much longer than we did the two episodes we did last time. Today we are reading chapter five of the Harry Potter and the Goblet of Fire. Weasley's Wizard Weezes. What? I'm not going to ask you. I'm just going to tell you. In chapter four, we... <laughs> That's the sound that you made. Uh, it's not even like the most unattractive sound I've ever made either. I just make lots of terrible sounds. These people have listened to 60 episodes of us talking. They know about all your really good sounds. The sounds of Tara. Tara is actually working on an album right now called Potato Sounds. <laughs> we'll let you know when we have a release date. Did you know that there's this thing that you can, like, stick in the ground by a plant and then hook onto a leaf and it somehow, like, uses the energy in the plant to transmit, like, sound waves and so you can hear what the plant sounds like? No. Yeah. Okay, then. Potato sounds. Potato sounds. That's why I said it. It wasn't just some random I know, I know, I know. That's fine. That's fine. I just don't. Would you like to give me some nice trivia that you know? I don't, I don't know nice trivia. Some run facts. Some run facts. Some run facts. (laughs) Tara does not know any run facts. Some fun facts. What if I I did? What if I did know some run facts? Really? Are you a sprinter? Have you done a marathon? I was about 20 years ago. I was a sprinter. Oh my God. I was on the swim team. One time I got second place. There were two people. (laughs) (laughs) Who won and lost? I'm asking. Oh my god. Okay, so the winner of chapter four, by default, is Harry. Literally, he does not really do anything to earn a win, but someone wins. Yeah, I feel like Arthur could have won. Here's my reasoning why Arthur didn't win. I think that the Weasleys could have come up with a better plan to get Harry out of there. And I think he's smart enough to know that. I don't want to give him the win. And Vernon loses. I don't need to explain that. Vernon. Oh, it sounded like you said everyone. Everyone loses. I mean, Fred and George almost lost, but really, Vernon is just so terrible. Fred, Fred and George could have murdered someone. I'd be like, Vernon loses because he exists, you know, so. Cool. I like that. <laughs> you wrote me a thing. I did write you a thing. They know how these podcasts work. Hang on. I gotta. He's gotta get the thing. I gotta drink my wine. Chapter five. Weasley's Weasley. No. Weasley's Wizard Weasley. Gotta say that really slow, because I'm one glass down, pretty much. Harry is now back at the burrow. Hooray! And he gets to meet Charlie and Bill before Mr. Weasley comes back and lectures Fred and George for leaving one of their inventions, a tongue toffee, behind for Dudley to find. Mrs. Weasley comes in to join in on the discipline, and Harry and Ron leave with Hermione and Ginny. The four of them go upstairs, annoying Percy on the way, and ending up in Ron's room where they talk about the twins and how Mrs. Weasley is disappointed in them. 
It's dinner time and Harry finally gets to eat something more than cake this summer. Percy proves he is maybe the most boring human on the planet and manages to give us basic information on two characters we will be meeting in a few chapters. Hooray for exposition! Time to move this story along. More talk about the World Cup. Mention Victor Crumb and Bertha Jorkins. Blah blah. This chapter is boring. Minus some great one-liners from Ron and the Twins. They do some great one-liners. I disagree. Ron especially. Not that. I don't... I, now, I will say, I don't find this chapter as boring as trying to write a thing That's for what it. I disagree with. What? It's probably sounding like I disagreed with you, the one-liners. They're fine. The twins. Oh, no. But this... Ron has a great one-liner. Ron's one-liner is the winner. The one to Percy when he's like... Oh, yeah. That report will change what he says about I Percy's report. On Cauldron Bottoms or something. Oh, yeah. Who is Percy trying to fool doing a report about Bottoms? All he has to do is look in the fucking mirror. <laughs> no, I think the chapter is actually an interesting thing to discuss because of all of the information that's in it. However, writing a thing for it was really a drag. I think it's a quite rich chapter, but I understand what you mean. I think a lot of it also is in description. What is going on in the borough and like the whole dinner scene and kind of applying that to when there's like a big family get together sort of oh, yeah. deal. I think that is what really makes this pop. It's a chapter where you learn so much about the Weasley characters mm -hmm. and how they all like interact. And then it's also like really focused on world building. Technically, when you think about it, we are still, to an extent, in, like, a catch-up zone. Mm -hmm. Like, there was the little aside about what Quidditch is. Here's on the yeah. Quidditch team and all of that. Yeah. So we're still sort of there while we are kind of, like, breaking out of that and starting to get a little bit more into the story of the actual chapter. At the same time, there isn't really too much extra new information that is, like, integral to the story here. No, I think you definitely hit it with learning more about the Weasleys, specifically about the twins. And this is actually a thing that in this book and in the next book about their relationship with Molly mm -hmm. and some disturbing things there with just like how she expects this from them and not acknowledging their actual skills and talents. I mean, that's an important part of these characters and, and who they are, too. Yeah. I think, like, that's the big takeaway from here, because, well, let's let's kind of jump into yeah. the twins and Molly first. Yeah. What it makes me think of, because it's such a family-oriented chapter, I think that that's kind of where my mind went. In a week, I'm actually taking my first family vacation in, like, at least 10 years. <laughs> me and eight other people in my family are going to Hocking Hills. And so I'm thinking a lot about this and, like, what it's like when a whole bunch of family comes together. My cousin came up a few weeks ago. I may have mentioned this in the past episode. If I did, here it is again, deal with it. She came up and a lot of family were together. It was like the nine of us and then my grandma, the nine of us who were going to Hockey Hills, that is. It was such an intense day of just like being around people. The day afterwards, I slept almost through the entire day. And you get that essence here of, like, the culmination of all these different personalities and stuff. That was one big th takeaway for me, is that how completely relatable and familiar this chapter feels. I like that. But the other thing that made me feel like there was some sort of familiarity here was this relationship. My sister, a few weeks ago, the company she worked for was laying off some people, and she was one of the people unfortunately and so she's been trying to get a new job and 
it's also worth noting that my sister is like 27. Like she's not like a little girl or anything. Uh, but she is the youngest and the only girl. And I think my dad is putting a lot of pressure on her to get like an actual like office job or something like that. Oh. Whereas Natalie is very different in kind of her approach and she has kind of um, more of a creative vibe to her. More so than myself. I think that she, after this kind of first experience, is trying to like find something that really like meshes well with her instead. Mm -hmm. And it's the same sort of thing that Molly is doing to the twins, I think, to an extent. She's not like looking at the twins like a strong suit and realizing, hey, this is their path to making a living, similar to like this is my sister's path. I don't have children. Um, I don't know how many of our listeners have children, and I don't know if it's like a different feeling when you have more than one child. We don't want to be compared to our siblings, but I don't have children. You don't have children. We don't know what I it's like. I have three children. Yes, you do, and we all know which one is not your favorite. No, but what are, I mean, what are you trying to say? That Bentley's a little bitch, but I love him too. He's the he's young and stupid. As a non-parent, I want to be like you shouldn't compare your children. You shouldn't expect them to be like this, be like this. What is their thought process? I guess yeah. is what I'm thinking, especially with like all of their children are there. Bill and Charlie are there who don't live with them yeah. anymore. Bill was head boy and he was the first child and he had a lot of stipulations that were drawn on him that probably are not on the younger children. And then like Charlie, the way he behaves in the chapter and the way we don't get a lot of time with Charlie in the series at all, Charlie does not seem to be phased by any like lasting feelings of being compared to his older brother. Does that mean it happened? I don't know. We're not, we're not going to get that. I wonder what that process is like and they're like right in the middle. Percy and the twins are... I like the middle case. Yeah. Well, I think Percy in particular, it, Bill and Charlie, like you said, we don't unfortunately get that, but I think that Percy, as we've like learned about him and will continue to, he is definitely trying to like live up to something. Even in this chapter, there are times where he's simply working for the sake of working and he can't like help but announce it all the time. Now, sure, maybe he does like genuinely like enjoy work. I think he does. But I also think there is a part of part there that it's like, well, he can't stop like talking about it to to kind of show that he has accomplished something. I also think that it's that. Both of those things are very relevant for Percy. An interesting thing about Percy is that unlike his two older brothers, you know, who we don't really know. Percy he, is gay. <laughs> Percy is very possibly gay. We don't know. We know. I mean, Aisha Percy is gay. Percy is gay. But it's canon. But that has nothing to do with his personality. It has nothing to do with, with what he's doing that is and true. how he accepts. He's like, not one of those gays who make their entire personality <clears throat> about being gay. But, but I think the important thing about Percy is that Percy recognizes this is the path he has to go. Like, he is good at being a little assistant to some big wig. He's willing to let himself be treated like shit by this person. I mean, like, he doesn't abuse him, but he doesn't fucking remember his name. He is willing to put himself in that position and there's no resistance from him, which is interesting because of the path he ends up taking. You really do see that there's all this personality and Fred and George have to contend with the fact that there's two of them. And now they're fourth in line of the succession of success above them because everyone has grown up. So that's interesting. I think perhaps for both Percy and the twins. Percy first. I think that there is a level of him just kind of being like, okay, I finally like got this job. This is what I've been working towards. So he doesn't like care necessarily that there is perhaps a level of paying your dues maybe. And like it's his, it's yeah. an entry level job. Still. Yeah. Jokes aside and everything, I do think that he's also like comparing himself to the other two. Oh, absolutely. Because we're both the oldest. 
I know that for me, I kind of like marched to the beat of my own drum and like figured some things out for myself, which perhaps in essence made it easier for some of my younger siblings, especially Natalie, because Natalie has also followed in my footsteps a lot too. But also I was the first to do, you know, obviously going to college. That's something that my parents had never gone through. So it was easier for the other three. I was the first one to buy a house. I was the first one to get a job. Bill is most likely in some way, like a bit of a guinea pig. He went in the direction that he did. I imagine to an extent, Charlie was easier and maybe a little bit similar, Mm -hmm. which is why they're kind of lumped together because of the first two, but I can kind of see that happening. We also need to remember at some point, Percy was still like the youngest. Yeah. And then right after him, there were twins that were younger than him, which required more effort. And obviously they're troublemakers. This is something that I can relate to as well. Mm -hmm. And so I think that like Percy is in kind of that position of trying to live up to his other two brothers, but also maybe be a role model for the twins. In that instance, like if we're putting Ron and Ginny kind of in the third phase of this, Mm -hmm. Percy is right smack dab in the middle. I don't know how many years are between Bill and Charlie. I want to say that there's three, but there's... At least three between Charlie and Percy. Mm. And there's only two between Percy and the twins. Yeah. And then two between the twins and Ron and one between Ron and Ginny. Yeah. They start Percy having sex really, a lot more frequently. Right. Unprotected sex anyway. But Percy really is kind of like a loner in the middle of all of it. Yeah, I think so. I will say also the twins have each other. And twins will like feed off of one another, you know, for a long time. Like through college even, which I think is even a little bit late. They were always together and they were always kind of feeding off of each other's energy. And I'm talking about his twin brother. Yeah, not friend George. (laughs) No, we all know what happens there. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) We haven't even gotten to like the real death in this book yet. Calm your tip. So yeah, like the fact that they are feeding off of each other and that they're troublemakers, just knowing the twins the best out of all these Weasleys so far, they don't give a fuck, I don't think. They don't care what Molly thinks or They don't, which is, I think, really important for them. If they did think that they would lose their tenacity and we wouldn't have the success that they do achieve with the skills that they have yeah so i think that that like shines the spotlight a little bit more on why percy and the twins are the way they are Mm -hmm. it's interesting though to see the first reaction of charlie and bill as well because charlie to an extent like you almost expect him to be who he is because we've heard that he's the dragon one we've seen him briefly you know with whole norbert stuff Right. But this is our first time meeting Bill. The fact that Bill really has kind of this completely different persona from Percy. Because of that, perhaps Percy living more up to be like Bill, since that's the path that he's trying to take, I can maybe see... I think all seven of those children have very different personalities. Yeah. I mean, uh, unfortunately, I think the author puts Fred and George together entirely too much their personalities really don't look any different through the series. Yeah, I think you're right. I think that is to a degree maybe natural at this point too, based on my own experience. Right. But I mean, they're not the main characters, so I guess whatever. And like I said, we don't get to know Charlie or Bill very well. We will get to spend some time with Bill in the last book. They all really do have very different personalities. Yeah. That's also kind of like shine some light into what we were originally talking about and like how Molly interacts with the twins. Because I think at this point too, it's, 
year four, technically Ron is still at the first half of his education. And of course, Ginny being in her third year, I think at this point, how owls come into play and everything, and them not really cutting the mustard like the first three kids did, Mm -hmm. that definitely plays into it. Beyond just the fact that Fred obviously admits to dropping the toffee at the Dursleys. I appreciate the entrepreneurial spirit, honestly, because you can really see that they were putting a lot of energy into this. But we're seeing it because we're seeing it from the children's point of view. Molly is not seeing it. She's seeing it it as, like, troublemaking. Yeah, that they're just troublemaking. I mean, again, I don't know what it's like when you have seven children. Like, you know, you have to dive in and and be like, how serious are we here? Right. I think it's interesting also, though, Arthur's interaction on this, because Arthur has no intention of actually telling Molly about it. Yeah. And it kind of parallels back to the second book, where had he been home when they came back with Harry after stealing the car, he probably would have been like, oh, that's great, you know, don't tell your mother. But that's not how that went, you know? So it's... I mean, it even goes back to the last chapter where you were like, good thing it was Arthur to go get Harry because Molly would have been completely different. (laughs) I think Molly would have just lain into the Dursleys with how they treat Harry. It would have been kind of nice. And I think probably Fred wouldn't have dropped the toffee at that point. No, Fred wouldn't have. I think Molly would have been like, oh, we can't do this flu network thing. Okay, I'm just going to operate everyone fucking back home and we'll do it a different way. Yeah, it would have happened. Like, I I think it just would have been an entirely different thing. I do appreciate that we saved the Dursley dressing down for Dumbledore, though. Yeah. A little bit more, too, about the toffee incident. Obviously, while it's great that they have this entrepreneurial spirit that Molly doesn't necessarily see, obviously dropping the toffee so that Dudley would eat it was not, like, the best market research And It was not. And it was not well thought through. It was dangerous. And, like, Ron, Ron, who doesn't have a half a brain most of the time, was, like, telling Harry, yeah, this stuff is dangerous. Oh, Fran recognizes that it's dangerous. Right. And I mean, we, of course, learned, too, that the tongue was four feet in length by the time right. he fixed it, which, I mean, that also explains a lot about Petunia's reaction because... Wouldn't it, let Arthur help. Well, no, it was the and exact same his... color and texture as uh, Vernon's dick, but way, way bigger. Oh, my God. Like 10 times bigger. He's got that little purple chose. Does reveal that as well. (laughs) But I also want to get back to what you were saying about Molly and Arthur and like their disciplinary methods. I think it is also so familiar. Again, it's like the dad lecturing but not wanting to tell mom. And so some other things that are like very telling about some of their personality. At one point, Arthur is just like, okay, we need like less people around. So it's like, hey, Ron, go to Harry, we're sleeping. And Ron's like, he knows where I'm sleeping. (laughs) And Hermione's like, no. Let's, let's go show him because Hermione oh my Rod gets is it. so stupid about it. Hermione is just like, let's do this thing. Come on. But it's so, so natural based on what we know about these characters. Like yeah. at this point, even though we're still in like recap mode, it's like, yes, like this is exactly what these characters would do, I think. I really appreciate Bill and Charlie just finding things amusing because they're so removed from being at home. First, I was like, that's a little maybe dangerous. Then when they're sitting at the table laughing with Fred and George. Before about the toffee. Back, about the toffee. And I'm like, that's a little maybe irresponsible. And I'm also like, they're removed from this. I think that's exactly. And I think that that's also an important thing to think about. Like these adult children coming home for this thing. 
And then being free to be themselves and just being like, this is amusing. And then later on, they have the fucking like table wars and it's hilarious. As adults, we have our own silly hobbies and whatnot. What it makes me think of is during auditions for the ghost walk, mm-hmm. before like we have people in, it was just some of us chatting and Stephanie was talking about buying a house, but they need to find somewhere where Marco can throw knives. That's one of his things. And you better believe it that there's not going to be like a room in the house dedicated to this. There's going to be space in the basement or something like that. Right. Just because you're an adult doesn't mean you have to be the typical, like, nine to five boring, like, adult. I love that they're doing the table wars. That makes me fucking crack up every time. And it makes sense based on the personalities that we learn right here. They're off doing their own thing. It describes Bill as just being cool with his, like, earring. And he's kind of like this rock and roll personality. Yeah. Things like that. But I do agree. I think that because they're removed, they also probably have only heard things from the twins and Ron mm-hmm. about what Harry's home life is like and yeah. not necessarily knowing the full story. And perhaps some of this is funny to them simply from the bubble that they're in mm-hmm. as well. That's true. That almost sounds like an excuse too for like people who don't necessarily understand somebody else's way of life, I yeah. guess. I don't know like, that that's an excuse. I think that it's the more factual thing. If the information is available to you, yes, it's an excuse. But why would the information be available to them? Yeah, you know? and I mean, like, let's say that what the twins say are like, well, we did this because the people who Harry lives with are complete abusers and complete assholes and that they deserve this, which may not necessarily be true. We talked a lot about, like, do they really deserve what they get? Right. To an extent, yes, but I think we stepped over that line yeah. with the whole dick tongue thing. Right. So. I mean, potential suffocation doesn't matter how terrible the child is. Sure. You know, we hate Draco. We don't want him to suffocate either. We might want Crab to suffocate. But... We definitely want Dolores Umbridge to suffocate. <laughs> but she's not a child. She's, <laughs> she's a big pink bitch. We've talked a lot about, like, all the boys... Minus Ron, but we've talked enough about Ron. We will get to Ron. Yes. Eventually. And he is kind of in the background here. But he does Um, have the great line. Well, so speaking of... Jimmy also uh, has some great lines. Like, yes, she does. Of the whole entrepreneurial spirit. When they're talking about all the products that they're making for their joke shop and they're making a lot of noise, she's just like, I just thought that they liked the noise, <laughs> which is so funny. Is like the only girl and the youngest out of seven. I think it's so fitting. The one other thing, though, that maybe Jimmy hasn't completely like grown into her personality. And we start I think to we see some of that in this book. We do. Like, I think back to like book one where Harry did start to like come out of his shell. Ginny is still younger too so we're starting to see elements of that but it's just so funny because Harry shows up and she's physically blushing. Okay is that still like indicative of her personality at this point? I think Maybe? That, I think that during her third year is really where she starts to off the page and away from us because we spend a lot more time with her in the next book. I really think that she grows so much in this book mm-hmm. in the background which is a tragedy because we would like to know her better, but it also her presence is not indicative to the plot. If you pay attention to how she is in this book, she's different. The little bit of time that we spend with her, I've been planning to focus on how she behaves around Harry because I really think that this is where she grows, but we're not going to see it. It's not going to be put in our faces because we need it to be more thrust in our face in the next couple books. I love her in this chapter though. Oh yeah. I think maybe perhaps like some of those things are a little bit more of her becoming a little bit more confident. I mean, in talking about too, like the relationships between everybody and the things that are so relatable and everything, the other really big thing 
thing is focusing on Molly when she's just kind of like thinking out loud about the twins yeah. and being like, oh, I wish that, you know, they would take their owls more seriously and like that they're going to be needing a career. And like when she is cooking, when she's being the kitchen witch that we know that she is, <laughs> she is cutting up the potatoes right. and everything. Right, she's just like not entirely in control. Yeah, and like I think that maybe she's a little bit in her head, so she's making mistakes and everything. But it's still, there's something familiar about that. When there is a lot of people over and like you have to cook dinner and then there's all this other activity going on around you. And I don't know, I really liked that too. We get to, of course, see some of her great magic. I do want to note, there is that like joke that if you replace the word wand with penis in the throughout the book and there is a moment that molly has with that i've never heard that before okay. yeah when you're reading try to replace the word wand with penis oh. at the big top of page 59 for both of us because we actually have the same book at this point a creamy sauce poured from the wand tip as she stirred <laughs> there is no way that that isn't there <laughs> a creamy sauce poured from the penis tip as she stirred but then there's another one, too, at the bottom of page 62. And your hair's getting silly, dear, said Mrs. Weasley, fingering her penis lovingly. I wish you'd let me give it a trim. Uh, Especially, uh, like, creamy sauce coming out of the tip of your wand. I mean, you can't just, like, dance around that when you're an adult. Another person that we see here, it's not a person, but it is a Quinn, Crookshanks. Oh, yes, Crookshanks has some new friends. Chasing the gnomes. Chasing and I'm like, gnomes. fuck yeah, you get those gnomes. Those gnomes lost points in the past. <laughs> I love that Crookshanks is just like, just hanging out in the garden, whatever. Those guys are like your dudes though, because they're little potato men. They're not my dudes. They are. They're like... They just look like potatoes. They're your little babies. Oh, I hate them. <laughs> they're violent and rude. I feel like if you went into the burrow's <laughs> yard, they would me. all come up to you and be like, it's our mother. <laughs> They are violent and rude like me. <laughs> I see. They are your babies. Your little potato dudes. I think the only other like really big thing is like focusing back on Percy. Because Percy is still kind of in the background, even though we do like have some conversations with him. There's family stuff going on. And to an extent, I almost feel like Percy is working to like avoid family stuff. I feel like that's in his personality. I feel like that's always been Percy's personality. Even the times that we see him in the first three books when he's at Hogwarts, when Ron or the twins get in trouble, he's like, I gotta step away from this. I don't know. I think that's probably a relatable thing for some people too. Oh. Like you just don't mesh with your family like that. And Percy has never meshed with his family. Or even just being like an introvert. Like yeah. I had talked about a few minutes ago about Well, having... because I mean, the rest of his fucking family are not introverts. No, not at all. Um, and I talked about, you know, how like the day after I had a whole bunch of family stuff, which is why this vacation is going to be interesting. Something. Like I needed to sleep through the entire day. He may be doing the opposite and being like, I'm going to be around my family the entire time at the Quidditch World Cup. Let me like, first of all, maybe catch up on work. <clears throat> but also like, I need some time away where mm -hmm. I can just like do my own thing. If that were me, I would definitely not be catching up on work. I'd be like trying to relax and everything, yeah. but to each his own. However, everyone's been like running up and down these stairs and I can't concentrate. Bitch, first of all, it's the 90s. Walkmen exist. Right. Even if you are in your magic ass world. <laughs> and second of all, you live in a magic ass world. Why isn't there something that you can do to drown out the noise? 
it just wouldn't be right if without Percy bitching about something. But yeah, well, but I get what you're saying. Cause... I almost wonder to an extent if he's bitching on purpose to kind of show off that he has the job, which adds into like why I agree with Ron about him being uh, fucking boring. And yeah. you said it in your thing yeah. As well. I mean, he is very boring. I think his characterization and his story arc is fascinating. It doesn't sit on a side, you know. It's I think being around the Weasleys would be exhausting in a good way because they're all lovely people. But I also would be like, I have to sleep for six days after being around the Yeah, table. I think so, I agree with you. I, <laughs> There's that moment where they are battling with the tables and he like opens his window and he's like, what's with all the racket down there? And someone even is like, how's your stupid report going? He's like, not good. And I really do wonder if to an extent it's him trying to get some of the attention. Yeah. And he again, he's a middle child. He's 18. There's something there. Or he really is just so fucking like stale and he's just like, he's a fucking grouchy 85 year old man. Get off my lawn. You know? Yeah. Like- this is also kind of not the time or place. Harry and Ron and Hermione and everyone are over. Like you have guests. Your older brothers that you never, like, come, get out of your room and, like, come hang yeah. out with family. I could almost see, honestly, both Arthur and Molly saying something like that. Being like, him. okay, we'll put it away for now. Yeah. This report can wait. Also, with the Quidditch World Cup, you know that, like, everybody's going to be there. So it's not like it's, like, immediately due or anything. The other big thing with Percy, then, is when he does come down and he's mentioning, like, the special meeting. No one needs to know about this, it's but I do need to so, know. Like, that is such a relatable thing. Because we see people do that all the time, just in general in the world. People love to name drop and be like, huh, I know a thing you don't know. Like around other people to get attention. Oh, it's yeah. something, and I, especially in theater, <laughs> we see it all the fucking time. Oh, yeah. Where people are like, I know something you don't. It's a little bit rude, but it's also like clearly there's some attention from Percy's point of view. At yeah. Least. That there's some sort of attention grabbing mechanism there. Oh, yeah. Ron just could not care less. He's just like, this bitch. <laughs> He's been trying to get us to ask about this all this time. I say good on Ron for not right? taking the bait. Well, Especially because you know, Ron would take the bait. Ron would take the bait, but again, this is Percy. If it were yeah. anyone else, if it were someone at school. If it were Bill. Like, oh, God. If it were, I, you know if Ron it were one of the Bill. other older brothers or if it were someone at school. But if it's Percy, I'm sure that Ron and the twins and probably even Ginny kind of have a thing where we're like, we are not indulging this bullshit. No. Percy does bring it upon himself. I mean, I also feel like if Percy were still at Hogwarts, he would probably be able to get some real attention by being like, I know a thing, you know? Because at this point, like, it doesn't matter as much to them either. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, that's a good point. And this is where we do get some of that additional important world building, where he does talk about Bertha Jorkins, where he talks about Udo Bagman. I really like the foreshadowing and, like, the informational download in this chapter around these people. We hear about Bertha Jorkins in the first chapter. Now we've heard about her again. And we still don't know what the fuck she's about. Like... We don't get that explanation until way later in the book, which is fascinating, doing that name drop because apparently no one else fucking cares about this except for Percy's boss, which is interesting. This conversation really kind of gives us a good headway into the men we're going to meet in two chapters. And I like that it's coming in this way. No one else would just casually talk about these fuckers. But Percy would because he's a boring dude. Yeah. And he likes to talk about his work because he thinks it makes him important. Well, also, like, now it's a way for him to relate more to his dad. No one else works for the ministry. Bill works for Gringotts. Charlie's doing his dragon thing. He is, 
like, oh, I actually got a job with the ministry. So, like, I can my relate dad. to dad. Yeah. And I know all the same people. And perhaps it is the whole, like, oh, I'm in the same circle as dad thing, maybe. Well, and again, I have to think, Percy is, out of all of the children, the least like his father. Connecting to your dad and being able to find a common ground with your dad is probably really important to a boy. Probably. I mean... I don't care. <clears throat> But I mean, yeah, I, I get that. And like everyone's different and like I'm not super close to my mom, but yeah. I love her. She's great, but we're not super close. Again, like he's in the middle of all yeah. of these boys who probably click better with his dad because his dad is a very laid back personality. Yeah. And the rest of them seem to be much more laid back than him. It's probably something, too, that is more important at that time, I think. Impressing your parents and everything. Oh, yeah. Like, 18 You just finished school, and now you have a big boy job, yeah. and you feel just, like, really good about yourself, and you just want to be acknowledged for it. With all, like, good intentions aside and everything, at 18, you're still kind of a kid. Yeah. Like, there's still so much more to learn. Oh, yeah. And, you know, it's not until you're older, perhaps, like, our age, where you start to be like, oh, my gosh, this is how I'm like my parents. I now can see I am organized in a certain way, sort of in the same way that my dad is. Mm-hmm. I'm more organized, but still, he's not listening to this. If it is, Dad, let me know what you think. And <laughs> why have you not said anything for 60 episodes? What did you think about the big old spider puss episode? I want to know. Adam's dad, get at us. Oh, there's a cat. <gasps> Which one? An orange little baby. He's very small. They love to torment Baxter. Here is the moment that you've been waiting for. Speak of the devil. My tie back into actual, like, witchy bullshit. Here we go. Come on, Uh, Baxter. I should honestly make this, like, a segment that sometimes happens, not all the time, because inevitably I will talk about it. What should I call this, this segment? Here's some music to inspire you. What do you think this segment should be called? Please let me know. Anyways, so I've been looking a little bit into astrology recently, and I'm a Sagittarius, and like the herb or the like botanical that is most like related to a Sagittarius is elderflower. So this popped out to me in particular because he drinks elderflower wine. Mm Mm-hmm. I was like, okay, what does elderflower have to do in terms of, like, witchcraft? So I looked it up, and elderflower has magical properties that connect to the spirit, angelic, or fairy realm. So it kind of, like, expands your reach into the supernatural realm. When I think of, like, chakras and whatnot, perhaps third eye, which kind of, like, extends your, like, psychic abilities and everything. And he is drinking elderflower wine at this point, personally. So I was trying to, like, think, okay, like, does that have any particular reason there? I think in some cases, the author just kind of, like, throws something in that she's like, oh, I heard that this was magical. Here it is. And so I'm interpreting it perhaps in a way that is beyond what the actual authorial intent was. But that's okay. That's why we talk about it. Well, yeah. And I think like he is talking about Bertha Jorkins here and perhaps maybe trying Mm. to figure something out about her lack of coming back to work. And so maybe he is trying to find that out with some sort of psychic ability. I don't know. And maybe that's why they have elderflower wine. Or maybe that's just what the Weasleys had. They were like, time to get lit, bitches. (laughs) That's my witchy corner for this episode. Please write in and let us know what this segment should be called. Thank you. And just in general, I think this scene where they're at, like, the barbecue. (laughs) Right? It's very much like an outdoor backyard barbecue. But it's (laughs) in the middle of nature, and the way that it's written is very beautiful. About, like, looking at, like, 
the sky is changing colors and, you know, they're by this beautiful field and it just feels very, like, tumnal. And, I mean, we're obviously coming into autumn now. So that's what I'm thinking of is, like, drinking elderflower wine in the middle of a field. Right. It's kind of nice just to think about... Especially thinking about literally earlier that day, Harry was at his aunt and uncle's feeling like shit, not being around cool people. It was very tense. There is like a very overwhelming feeling of peace in this chapter Mm -hmm. because he's back. For him, yes. For everyone everyone else. else. (laughs) Yes. It's like peace is in the background, even though there's like this chaotic family like drama kind of going on all over the place. I think that that's kind of the magic of this chapter where Harry is and how it's kind of from his perspective, but there's all of this hubbub and everything going on around him. But it's also magical hubbub too. Yes. Like the way that Molly is cooking and the way that they're like fighting with tables. It's this realm that he's finally back in. But then the other thing that I like about it is that the chapter finishes off by showing that there's some darkness here too because it kind of goes back to his scar and the dream that he right. had. Right, because he's like, he remembers why he wrote, he was writing to Sirius. The mention of Bertha Jorkin. I just love how the chapter ends with him being like, uh, well, we gotta get up early for the World Cup, you know, this big thing you've been excited about. And the final, like, sentences of the chapter crack me up every time where he's like, oh, I hope it goes on for days. Like, how excited he is to go to this sporting event Here's the thing, not even just Harry going to the sporting event that is once in a lifetime for him, but it is for the Weasleys too, because it's something that they couldn't afford. The excitement of that is a really, really fun way to end this chapter, and then also Fred George sending Percy dragon dung. You know what it makes me think of is when, like, and unfortunately it's been a while since I felt this because pandemic, but when you have a flight early in the morning and you have to get to bed early. Uh Uh-huh. Those are the nights when, like, I never sleep well because I'm, like, I get to get on a plane and I have a trip to make and everything in the morning. And it's that sort of feel. And even, like, in the next chapter, which, of course, we'll get there in the next episode, when they wake up and, like, that feeling of, like, oh, my God, I hate myself, but look what I get to do. Yeah. There's just a lot of excitement floating around this chapter. This chapter is very lively. Fuck, Mary kill. Okay. Do you know what I'm going to say? I feel like maybe it's a little, this one was a little No, nice. I have no idea. This book so far, it's been very challenging to find Fuck, Mary Kills. This was one that was very, very obvious to me. Fuck, Mary Kill, the oldest three Weasley boys. Bill, Charlie, Percy. I'm surprised Percy hasn't been in one of these Fuck, Mary Kills yet. I'm shocked he hasn't either. And like, there's honestly fairly good fuckable and marryable qualities about all three of them. So this one could be maybe a little bit challenging. Yeah, I'm gonna try to just be as basic as possible so I can answer it and not feel like overwhelmed by it. I'm gonna fuck Bill. Okay. I'm going to kill Percy. Yeah. And I'm gonna marry Charlie because he got dragons and that would be fun. Okay, (laughs) why are you gonna kill Percy and uh, fuck Bill? As we've agreed, um, Percy is gay. So I'm not gonna be able to do well, anything I'm for him. Well, I'm not gonna marry or fuck him either. I know, but for me, this is my answer. I can't do anything for him. I don't want to be married to him. He'd fucking like murder me for annoying him or being too loud. He'd I be like, like, you sing in the shower, bitch, shut up. I feel like Percy would not be able to murder you. I feel like you would kill Percy. Well, that's why we're playing this game. You would lift him over your head and break him in half. <laughs> Like a She-Hulk. And now we know how I kill him in Fuck, Mary Kill. There we go. <laughs> she marries him first and then kills him. <laughs> no, I'm not marrying him. That's. But you wouldn't get to that She-Hulk level just on your own. You 
you'd have to like work up to that. You wouldn't just like be like, what's up, bitch? Lift, break. <laughs> I mean, if necessary. If depends, necessary. Depends on the mood. If, nece- if I've if been around someone. I will I'm... lift you over my head <laughs> and rip you in half. If I've been around someone prior who annoys the shit out of me, or maybe Percy just annoyed the shit out of me that day. Okay, why are you fucking Bill? I just choose someone to fuck. Okay, so I'm marrying Bill. That's fine. He don't have dragons. But he has lots of money. <laughs> He works for a place that has lots of money. Yeah, but he talks about like, hey, as long as I'm bringing enough treasure home. How do we know that he's not like staying a little bit? <laughs> also, like, I don't know. His whole demeanor and everything, I feel like I would be more attracted to Bill. That's fair. He's got that like bang earring and everything. He's like rock and roll. I feel like I would mesh more with Bill. That being said, Charlie sounds more fuckable because he would be like a little bit more wild. Maybe. Probably. You know, he's used to being like cut up by dragons and being torched and everything, so I feel like I could do anything. He'd be like, I'm down. And while Percy is gay, he's also very, very fucking boring. I think that's the bigger thing. I really think, yeah, I, again, we support Percy's character arc, and I. I thought you were gonna say we would support Percy's gayness. We do, we also support that. You know, he is very boring. Some people really find me very boring. They're wrong, but whatever. Yeah, I mean, I guess beauty is in the eye of the beholder or whatever. He also is just, he he seems very, like, attention hungry and stuff. Yeah. I imagine he would be clingy and uh, no. I mean, here's the other thing is, like, them at this point, that's the direction I'd go. If we're looking, like, post book seven, it might be different. That's true. I mean, now I'm thinking about even, like, I like to snuggle, don't get me wrong and everything, but Percy would not be fun to snuggle with. Probably not, but maybe post book seven he would be. He gets very fluffy. Right, who knows? I'm not saying that you have to be fluffy to be a good cuddler, (laughs) you just know Percy is fucking a bag of bones. like to talk about the movie i would if the book were in the movie moving on here's my at this point you guys know if there ain't no movie what the fuck what are we gonna talk about sorry if this is your favorite segment but what are we gonna do there is a movie this isn't in it it would be lovely if this were in the movie because there's so much warmth and stuff also we could actually have charlie weasley in the movies yeah fuck them for not ever having charlie weasley in the movies exactly there is a ginger actor out there who was pissed he could have been fucking charlie weasley yeah didn't ever make it in alas sorry nameless ginger actor here's my fucking points there's a lot of points. In Here this we go. Episode. I'm giving what? 20 points to Molly and Arthur because of their like parenting personalities. I've already given both of them a lot of points this season, and we're only in the fifth chapter. But I just think beyond what I've given them points for in the past about them, you know, caring for Harriet or anything, I just really like the vibes that they're pulling off. Molly's whole kitchen experience that we see. Arthur, you know, continuing to be welcoming and, like, disciplinary, but trying to not let Molly know that whole, like, relationship kind of thing that they have going on. They're also going through it. All of their kids are in the house at the same time for the first time in who knows when. 20 to both of them. Plus 15 to Charlie, Bill, Ginny, Hermione, Ron, and Harry. Simply because of the personalities, once again, you get an insight 
on all of them in this chapter that is brief but still enough to show exactly who they are that's why i like like Ginny's little note about like well we thought they liked the noise yeah the whole thing about ron being like harry knows where i need to sleep and then hermione being like "Mm, i think we should still probably go show him things like that uh charlie and bill i mean when else am i going to be able to give them points right so plus 15 to all of them plus 10 to george and plus five to fred because of their entrepreneurial spirit but negative five to fred because he admitted to drop in that toffee and that wasn't very good market research like i said (laughs) also 10 points to crookshanks for hunting those gnomes even though that they are your potato (laughs) brethren and then negative five to percy because he's fucking boring He's the only one who loses points in this chapter. Nice. To recap, because that was a lot. Plus 20, Molly Arthur. Plus 15, Charlie Bill Ginny. Hermione Ron Harry. Plus 10, George and Crookshanks. Plus 5, Fred. Negative 5, Percy. The end. The end. Next time. We are discussing chapter 6. The The poor key. key. Yay. Hooray. More travel. (laughs) Yay, travel. I have much less notes on that chapter. But that one is a little bit more straightforward. This was a very chaotic chapter. It was fun. That is all. I have no way to end this because I'm terrible. I was just going to say, please end the episode. (laughs) Bye. Oh. (laughs) I don't know why I made that general sound. Please make the end of the episode me going, bye. (laughs) And then me going, oh. That's at your discretion. (laughs) Tara just stabbed me in the side for no reason. Basic Snitches is recorded and produced by Adam Bowers and Tara Corkery. Edited by me, Adam Bowers. And published by me, Tara Corkery, and available wherever you listen to podcasts. Thank you for listening. Please review and rate us five stars on your app of choice. And be sure to share us to all of your other friends who love Harry Potter and getting drunk. Oh, don't forget to follow us on social media. Sometimes I update that. Basic Snitches on Instagram. Also, we have a Facebook page. And email us anything you want to or specifically answers to our questions on our segments. BasicSnitches at gmail.com. But don't send us dick pics, please. That's nasty. But do send us liquor. Thanks. Yeah. Alohomora! Oh, now people can get into your house. They're there, toe! But they don't matter because now you're a water goblin. Bye. Bye.